Hey everyone, and welcome to the Stars with Wonder. I'm your host, Kayla. Hello, hello, and I'm Brishona. And today we are here for our first official, official singular topic episode. Yes. Which is very exciting. So we will be talking today about influencers. Um, Woohoo! <laughs> Bishana, who is the first influencer you really remember in your life? Ooh, dear. Okay. Um, I think, okay, how about I'll raise you one before I answer that, Kayla. Mm-hmm. What, what are we going to define an influencer as? I feel like we should maybe start off with what are we defining influencer as? I literally was about to ask that like as a second question. Like maybe we should have sat down. I would say, well, influencer, the the root of the word is influence, right? So it's anyone who can make you think something. I'm looking up the actual definition of influence. Okay. Which is to have an effect on the character development or behavior of someone or something or the effect itself. All right. So Then I have over here this website, Influencer Marketing Hub. So I guess this one is specifically tailored to the influencers that I guess we're addressing, the ones that have an agenda. Mm -hmm. And they say someone who has the power to affect the purchasing decision of others because of his or her authority, knowledge, position, or relationship with his or her audience, uh, following in a distinct niche with whom he or she actively engages the size of the following depends on the size of his or her topic of the niche. So I guess we're going to say um, people with, inf- people with, um, what would, what would, I can't use the word influence because yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like one of those things where it's like describe the color red, but you can't yeah. use the word red, you know, <laughs> it's, it's like a, a thing. Well, I would say, you know what, the thing that just popped in my head immediately while reading that is like anyone who has any position in a society or a construct, a construct of some sort to dictate something, I guess. Um, yeah. Like somebody who has um, persuasion. Yeah. Persuasion you know? or power or, um, you know, somebody that has a following or, you know. Some, something of that nature where if they say something, people will listen. Yes. You know what? Actually, that made me immediately think of. What? Who? Mr. Rogers. Interesting. Because he was really like, so I've been looking over a lot of kids television lately, um, which is kind of like a pat. Like, I really enjoy looking at behind the scenes, like researching that kind of stuff. And he was the first person to sit and talk to kids through the TV, like through a camera. Right. um, And say specifically, like, you know, you are special or, you know, you like are like he he made it feel very personal. And I think that affected a lot of people's behavior. Um, And although it was a very wholesome way, I feel like influencer today, when you think of it, it has very much of a negative connotation, even though that's not always the case mm-hmm. or like I would consider it negative, but you know, I, I feel like him and also someone else. I really also maybe consider an influencer in an unconventional sense is like maybe someone like Bob Ross, because he also talks straight through the camera Granted, he's giving you a painting tutorial, but it's like a a very one-on-one experience when you're watching it alone. 
Yes. So I would like to sort of piggyback on why you you said that it has a bad connotation. So mm-hmm. when I was doing research into, you know, influencer culture, I made a very quick slide down the rabbit hole of like corporate greed. Yes. And this consumerism and capitalism. Like mm-hmm. it was very quick. Like it it it, t- it took no time at all. So I think I don't I don't think it's necessarily the person like the individual fault i feel like when corporations get a hold of a person it just sort of like becomes sketchy in a way or i feel like also it can be when the person has that like motivation to do that because i think immediately when you said that i thought of jake paul because there's a lot of um videos out there of jake paul like putting things out to investors like presenting to investors being like i am starting this company this is why you should invest in me this is how i advertise to kids like this is how i get this base this consumer base and this is how we activate that consumer base and i just think that that's yeah you're right it is very much a quick um slippery slope from just an innocuous like making something to i'm selling you a product now i am a product now like and I, I would think that um, it leaves like a sour taste in people's mouth when they see mm-hmm. their creator, you know, a content creator. If you're, I mean, I'm, I feel like there's different categories of influencers, but say you have a content creator mm-hmm. and they start off their video with a product placement. Yeah. Like, I feel like that's off-putting to some people because then you feel like you're not there for like they don't see you as a fan or a supporter like they see you as a commodity mm-hmm. like something to profit off of I don't, I don't mind it when they start it off and they're like I'm today's sponsor is so-and-so or like when they're like we have ad sponsor because it is very much a symbiotic relationship and I know the the platform of YouTube itself can be extremely like finicky if that's the specific niche we're talking about so I, but I do think it gets problematic when there was a Lele Pons video from a few years ago where she was promoting this um, Katie Cat like eyeliner or like um, mascara or something like that, yeah. and she used it and she put it in her video in a very sneaky way, like oh. she made this Halloween video and she was like, "I'm the loser kid at school, like no one talks to me, but there's a big Halloween party tonight." And I'm going to be the person who wins all the Halloween games. And let me use my Katie Cat mascara to make myself look great. And then she like, you know, and it's not like she did not say this is an ad. This was sponsored by so-and-so. It's literally like she made a 10-minute commercial for this, like, makeup. That's <laughs> that crazy. That kind of reminds me, like, you're watching a movie. And it's mm-hmm. like a dramatic zoom in. And it's like a Samsung, like, Razor phone or something. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's really out of place. It's, it's like just but it's like distinct product placement and it completely ruins not ruins the movie but kind mm-hmm. of puts puts it into like oh this is what they're doing okay I see well have you ever seen did you see the new Sonic movie that came out last year I haven't I've wanted to but I know there was a full name drop to Olive Garden <laughs> <laughs> he was like let me get the Olive Garden app on my phone and, then, <laughs> and someone else was like you know when you're there your family or like something like that like, like totally dropped the tagline <laughs> I was like, man, I love. I want some breadsticks with my Sonic the Hedgehog movie. Oh, 
go to Sonic and then afterwards head over to Olive Garden, you know? I mean, and you know what? Sometimes it really works. I feel like not that in the movie, but like I remember Courtney and I a few weeks ago, um, my sister, we were we were watching TV and this ad for Olive Garden came on and I just saw that and I'm like, that's all I want right now. <laughs> that like I'm and I ordered Olive Garden I ordered takeout from Olive Garden because I'm like that I just I'm like I just want freaking Alfredo sauce on carbs and chicken fun fact I do not like Olive Garden really I love Olive Garden I mean I like the chicken and gnocchi soup sometimes yeah but um my grandma she'll always be like hey you want to go to Olive Garden and I'm like no I love Olive Garden for some reason maybe it's just our Olive Garden <laughs> the one I don't know I think that ours is okay I mean the one that I went to in college was pretty good um the one there's one that's like down south that's pretty okay too I don't know I just like breadsticks I just like breadsticks are good I know I'm just maybe it's because you know I feel like Olive Garden is the Italian equivalent of Taco Bell you know yeah, it's like it's like fast food equivalent. Yeah, it's like not real Italian food, but you're you're just so hungry when you get there, you don't care. See, but now all we gave Olive Garden a free product placement. <laughs> See, the one, and if there was anyone I'd want to give a free product placement to, I was thinking about this earlier and trying how to work this into the podcast, but this feels natural now. Is Kerrygold? Have you ever had Kerrygold butter and cheese? Oh my god, that's amazing butter. I it's- know quality butter well i saw on twitter people were getting like Kerrygold was sending people crates of butter and cheese and i'm just like if you we are not sponsored by Kerrygold, but not honestly at if the moment, not sponsored at Kerrygold, if you want to sponsor us please we will i will hype you up Kerrygold, every single episode if you send me a crate of butter and cheese i feel like <laughs> the theme of our podcast is that we talk about these topics and then we immediately <laughs> whatever we talk about immediately become it yeah we're just we're just gonna go off on a tangent about how we just want Carrie gold specifically butter and cheese yep i haven't had the butter's good i haven't had the cheese either but i just feel like it'd be really good i trust irish people Mm -hmm. yeah you know, I would, I like Irish people. Anyway, um, this is a pro-Irish podcast. <laughs> but, uh, happy go, St. Patrick's Day, by the way. Belated St. Patrick's Day to everybody. Thank you. Yeah. Happy St. Patrick's Day. Hope y'all had um, a great time chasing those leprechauns to the end of the rainbow and finding your pot of gold. I think that's, that's how it goes. Right. Also, it's about to be Easter soon. Mm-hmm. Well, it's Passover now. Happy Passover. Thank you. Nice. Happy Easter. Thank you. Um, I actually... No, we're not going <laughs> to... I'll tell you that later. It's nothing crazy. Just all day. Um, yeah. But getting back to influencers. Right. So products that they choose mm-hmm. to pick. Like, how much do you think falls on the influencer to research the product that they're you know promoting because because i would like this incident with gabby hannah did you you hear about that oh with the brushes yeah yeah i remember that i remember it was like because um i think tana mojo was promoting those brushes too a few people were and you don't have to research the product at all really yeah like I, i don't think it's on the onus of them at all to do that 
so okay so like you think that like as if if somebody comes to them and says promote our product and they say yes Mm -hmm. and the product turns out to be like complete trash that's not on them well i think it is on them a little bit like but i don't think that like the product expects them i don't know I, i think i misunderstood the question i think it is on them like really ultimately you're the one promoting this um this product to your fans you know like you're the one that's putting your name by it by saying like i use this you should use this too right yeah i don't know what do you feel like do like do you feel like there's some responsibility or no responsibility or i feel like there's some i feel like they don't have to do like a deep dive into like the company's history necessarily Mm -hmm. i feel like it should be pretty um you know, surface level, like, make sure that you're not, I don't know, like, promoting something that could potentially kill somebody. Not not, not kill somebody, but, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like, if you're selling, say, like, a food product or, like, a vitamin or just make sure that it's not, like, snake oil, you know? Yeah, yeah. for sure. I mean, the other thing I think of is when Jake Paul and Rice Gum promoted gambling to kids. I did not hear of that. <laughs> never heard about that? There was these things called... Uh, Oh, well, excuse me. There were these things called, um, I forgot what they're called. They're like boxes. And what you do is that you'd pay like, I don't know, like let's say $5 and you get to select a box. And it's like, if you win the big prize, you get like a pair of Jordan shoes, like a really nice shoes or yeah. Supreme something. But if you don't, then you'll get like some kind of basic item. Oh, I feel like I saw that like an Apple one, like you paid $30 and you could get, like, I don't know, like an iPhone or a MacBook, but then, mm-hmm. like, you could also only get, like, a dongle, like a little charging block. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you never know exactly how much you're going to get. And the crazy thing about it is that Jake Paul and Ricegum both accepted that sponsorship and basically made um, videos that were just about this product telling kids, oh, if you just put in $15, you'll get a pair of nice shoes. But it's like, no. You're you're gambling, like you're actually like putting some risk into this. Oh yeah, no, especially like that's another thing that I was thinking about is that the um like the like children, right? Mm -hmm. So say 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 a a company wants an influencer to promote them but i feel like nowadays if you want general general sponsorship right or just general like product placement mm-hmm. they want you to be family friendly yeah i feel like that's more pot like that's a popular thing like they'd rather pick the cleanest family friendly creator or influencer to, to do their product and then i wonder how much that in turn changes our whole entire media consumption right Mm -hmm. so if everybody's aiming to get to be a popular influencer and to have a lot of product placement then they have to sort of confine to what the corporations want them to be Mm -hmm. and i feel like that's kind of um that's kind of concerning like it like it upsets me yeah with the whole coppa thing on youtube a few years ago you Mm -hmm. had creators like scrambling well i mentioned youtube a lot because that's the platform that like that's the social media platform that i yeah same what i gravitate towards Mm -hmm. um but they were scrambling on deciding are they going to try and market themselves as family friendly and get ad revenue 
or say that they aren't family friendly and risk being demonetized. And I feel like as a consumer of both, you know, the world in general and media, mm. that limits what we're the kind of content that they can provide. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting because the, the other thing about that is that I feel like YouTube is such like, it's even still like the Wild West. I know that they're like, it, it's kind of segmented off, but it's not like, um, you know, I was thinking about like Nickelodeon. Um, in the morning, you have Nick Jr., which is their children, young children's programming block. And that goes until like noon or one o'clock. And then that switches to normal Nickelodeon. And so advertisers knew that like, okay, if you did it in the morning, this is the type of content you're going to get. But if you go into the afternoon, it might be a bit more edgier stuff. It might be more for like older kids. So you're not going to like advertise, you know, a super soaker at like 10 a.m. because the three-year-old probably can't use that. But the 10-year-old watching like Hey Arnold in the afternoon would love it. Yes. You know, and it's so interesting because not, those things didn't have to conform to one or the other. But you're right. I think there is a sense of like, you have to clean up your act. You can't say certain words because that will get you A, demonetized on YouTube or B, advertisers might not want to partner with you or put your um, ads on your video. Yeah. Or you can't even be seen. They won't let you trend or they won't even promote your videos to people. Yeah. And I think that also kind of came to a head with the whole... Um, Oh my gosh, what did they call it? It was, this was slightly when I, the other thing I feel like I should clarify with influencers and and YouTube is I did not start seriously watching YouTube until I was probably in college. Okay. I probably was a sophomore-ish junior, maybe even a freshman when I like seriously started like subscribing to people, watching people regularly like that sort of thing, because I just never had um, an interest in it in high school. I think, actually, I think that's a pretty interesting take, because that was around, what, 2016, mm-hmm. 2015, right? Yeah. So YouTube has been around since early 2000s, right? 2004, mm-hmm. 2005, six, whatever. Right? Yeah. But I kind of had the same, like the same notion of, I... Maybe potentially look up when Google acquired YouTube. But side note, what I'm saying is um, it used to be very much more like short form skits, yes. things like episodes, like you could find TV show episodes. It yes. was very, very, very unregulated. There was mm. no ads. It was wild. The camera <laughs> quality was terrible. The mic quality was terrible. It was just yes. around and just putting their whatever the heck onto there. Yeah. And I feel like around that time like maybe 2011 12 or whatever is when people really started number one seeing it as a career yes and to like putting a lot of effort into it and it became it's enough of like akin to Nickelodeon or Disney Channel or another network that they're selling YouTube TV like they they put themselves on the same level as like Hulu or Netflix Mm -hmm. and for me I think my what I started watching was like Let's Plays in 2015 with Five Nights at Freddy's mm-hmm. and Markiplier like that's when I sort of started watching it regularly and I don't know if what kind of draw it has because even people in my family like my mom and my sisters and my grandmother wide range of ages so we're going from like 
11 all the way up to 63. We all mm-hmm. watch YouTube. We all have different content creators that we like and enjoy and follow and subscribe. Yeah. I think that's pretty crazy that you can have such a broad range of like demographics watching the same platform. And to the point where it's hard for I mean, we do watch other TV shows, but it, it, it's more common for everybody to be in the room watching a YouTube channel as opposed to like, I don't know, like the cooking, like TLC or, you know, yeah. Lifetime or whatever. Yeah, no, for sure. And I mean, the thing is, I should clarify also the thing in high school is that in high school, I only really watched Vlogbrothers. That would be the one thing I went on. <laughs> Like, I would only go on to look for certain things. So I would watch Vlogbrothers every Tuesday and Friday. Um, and those are, like, three minute, four minutes at most because they're not allowed to go over four. But at this point, who cares? Um, I watched, like, the Lizzie Bennett Diaries, which was a modern-day Pride and Prejudice. I heard about that. I never got to watch it, but I heard about it. So good. Please look it up. It's amazing. And I love it so much. It's so brilliant. And it, it's so it's Pride and Prejudice, but in vlog format. And then, um, or video diaries, like she's telling the video diaries. And then um, there's a theater collective that primarily bases its work out of YouTube called Team Star Kid. I don't know if I ever told you about this when I was in high school, but um, they started doing parody musicals. So like they did a Harry Potter musical, then they did like um, a musical that was basically the Little Mermaid in space. It's like little, literally at the Little Mermaid and alien um oh my god or uh it's some space movie i've never seen it they're the ones probably people can maybe relate to like if correct me if i'm wrong but they're like the snape snape no that's neil cesarega oh i don't know okay that's potter puppet bell oh (laughs) these they they did um starship which was like basically the only made in space with starship troopers um then they did like a holy musical batman parody okay and so, but that's, but they would upload maybe once a year. Okay. And of course it would be like a big event. So you'd like want to go on to their website and like watch the big premiere of their musical, but they, they were not regular posters. They did not post every week. They do not do like a new musical every month. Cause these are like full scale, like Production. movie length. Like um, I think like uh, the very Potter musical is like two and a half hours, three hours. Mm-hmm. Like these are long <laughs> shows. So those, that was basically my YouTube experience is that you go on for something specific or, you know, you go back to Tumblr. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it was interesting, though, um, when I did start watching YouTube regularly, because that's how I learned about um, basically after PewDiePie. I don't know. I forget which scandal it was, but he made the news for it. And so that's when they start adpocalypse that's what it was that's when they youtube really started to crack down on advertisements oh right and that's kind of i feel like when the whole shift was from like you can kind of do whatever you want and get away with it too we want you to be more family friendly and if youtube makes the news advert because all the advertisers got spooked and they started pulling ads off of youtube and i hate that personally because tos i'm pretty sure is 13 and up Mm -hmm. like you're supposed to be 13 and up for stuff and then also i feel like ads for youtube have gotten out of hand period yeah like it used to be no ads none and Mm -hmm. then maybe one in the beginning that you could skip but now they have like unskippable ones they have like two unskippable ones plus however many in the middle yeah and i don't blame creators for putting as many as they can 
like if they're getting the money but then also what I've learned is that sometimes they're not getting the money if like uh, someone puts a claim on their video the ad go to someone else which is also like really insane to think about um I know Jake Paul kind of went crazy with that feature he would like flag videos being made about him and then he would collect the ad revenue oh that's pretty that's pretty scummy did I ever tell you how Jake Paul is literally my mortal enemy? I I mean, I know that, but does everybody else know that? Jake Paul is my mortal enemy. Um, I feel like I look at him and every single aspect of me and him are extremely opposite. Like, we are the complete inverse of each other. I, I kind of, I feel like we should maybe give credit to Jake Paul for this podcast. Yeah, we actually should. Um, I think it was because we talked about him so much. Um, I think this is, was this after, well, I remember I called you when his house got raided by the FBI or when he got arrested or something. And I was like blasting celebration in the background by Cool and the gang, which is yeah. horrible. I that don't, you shouldn't celebrate that, but. Yeah, no, I, I feel like just the culmination of a couple, I guess what, what it was like maybe three years ago. Mm-hmm where he was just, like, peak after he did his Shane Dawson documentaries. Like, when I... I mean, obviously, if you're old enough, if you're ancient enough, you remember his early days on Vine. Mm -hmm. R.I.P. Vine. We miss you. Yeah. (laughs) Um, His early days on Vine when he was innocuous. He was funny. We laughed. (laughs) I never watched him on Vine. Really? Okay. Yeah. Actually, sorry, but did I ever tell you how I found this kid? No, I never told you the story. I was a young, fresh-faced twenty-year-old, and I a Philip DeFranco like notification like popped up in my recommended. I forgot what I was watching on YouTube, and so I clicked it, and it was literally the um thing where he got interviewed by the news, and they all climbed up on the news van. Oh, <laughs> and that's what that's what Philip DeFranco was reporting on, and this was like late summer 2017, so like late July, early August. And I watched that video, like I watched the clip of him on the news, and I was like, I don't know who this kid is, but I've n- I'm like that. I know that kid. That is someone I went to high school with, and I just despise. Like not someone specifically, but I'm like I would have seen that kid in my high school. I know exactly who he is, and I was like, I just was like, I don't know what else he's done. And then I fell down the rabbit hole, and that's how I learned about it's every day, bro. And that's how I learned about the feud with him and his brother. And and I knew Logan Paul. That's the crazy thing is I liked Logan Paul actually when I was in high school. I thought his vines were kind of funny. Now I look back and they're kind of cringy, but. I mean, as everything. That's it for everyone. But that's how I I discovered Jake Paul. Yeah, no. I think I fell into that rabbit hole. Like, when he did the Shane Dawson documentary, I was like, who is this guy? Like, what is is he doing? Why? Like, what is his motivation? Mm -hmm. And then I quickly became bored. Yeah. Quickly became bored, never touched him again. And then, you know, every once in a while, you would tell me something crazy happened, like he got swatted or he got married to Tana, you know, yeah. whether that was real or not, or the fact that the picture of their wedding was like a liminal space for me. Mm-hmm. Well, that was the thing, actually. Jake Paul introduced me to all these um, commentary channels, which I, which is actually, I don't know, I don't know if you even said what our YouTube diets usually are, because oh. mine's a combination of, um, theater videos theme park videos 
Um, anything Jenny Nicholson puts out because she's my favorite YouTuber and I love her to death. Um, and basically like commentary channels. So like Drew Gooden, um, you know, Danny Gonzalez, Tiffany Ferg, um, you know, any other kind of video essayist, Sarah Z, I really like too. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that's actually what I learned about the bulk of other YouTubers. Oh, Eddie Burback. How can I forget Eddie Burback? I, I, yeah. Right. They're basically like the YouTube news. Yes, basically. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so that, that's where I found that from, but it, it's also interesting because all these allegations also about YouTubers are starting to come to light. I don't know if you've been keeping up on that news. I keep up with allegations related to my individual people, not necessarily everybody. Like, if I hear something, then I'll hear it. But I feel like I feel like the potential between allegations and cancel culture is its own beast mm-hmm. that requires a d- complete episode, like, dedicated to it. Yeah, for sure. Like, but- it's wild. Like, they get crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's just interesting because I know James Charles, like there was an, there were, I know we're not a gossip podcast, but I read this really interesting article about James Charles today and the nature of power, because I think that's also something we really wanted to discuss. Yeah. Was just how the other thing about is that not only do they have the power to advertise anything they want. And because the other thing is, is a lot of these YouTubers, especially I think of like Logan Paul and Jake Paul, they themselves become a brand which is very weird to think about because it's like, you're not a character on a TV show. You're yourself, but you're also trying to sell your own merchandise and promote your own tagline and your own, like, you know, unique way of life. And then you're also trying to make money off of that as well. That's interesting. I never really thought of it that way that they become their own entity. Yeah. And and if honestly, if you make enough money, then you can, like cut out the middleman like i know um a lot of people once they make a whole bunch of money like dream or jeffree star mm-hmm. they'll handle their own merch like they yeah. won't even go through an independent party like they're their own merch company at that point and the other thing also that well i i didn't realize how much money youtubers made i don't think until i was also like a few years ago it's a lot. i know i was like i watched um did you ever watch nerdy nummies Yes. I watched Rosanna Pancino's house tour and this was like three or four years ago. And I was like, this is her house. It's massive. I know it, 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 it really astounds me. It, it astounds me because I don't know if you Mr. Beast, like recently he was talking about his taxes Yeah, <laughs> and just, just the sheer amount of like, their ability to give things away, like, mm-hmm. you know, they could see, go on Twitch or whatever and donate $30,000 to a random person. Yeah. Or, you know, Mr. Beast can buy cars and sell them for, like, a dollar to mm-hmm. people. Like, that's how much buying power they have. Like, um, these aren't necessarily YouTubers, or I guess there's a crossover between the gaming channels that I watch and being a Twitch streamer. Mm-hmm. And they just said Carl Jacobs and Sapnap. I don't know if you know you don't know who they are, but they do a whole variety of games. And so, well, uh, Carl Jacobs was like working for Mr. Like he still works for Mr. Beast, but now he's mm-hmm. like, involved with his actual channel and like 
whatever he does. Yeah. Uh, but they bought twenty thousand dollars worth of Pokemon cards. I know. well, that's the thing, same thing Logan Paul's doing now. He's like, I brought a million dollars worth of Pokemon cards, and I'm like, it's just. I I mean, they work hard. They deserve. Yeah. It. They put a lot of time and effort into it, and I'm not saying that they don't like aren't deserving of it. Yeah, for sure. But it, it's such a crazy amount of money for something. A lot of them, not all of them, but a lot of them don't even go to college. They just sort of like, yeah, YouTube happens to them if they're young, if they're in their 20s. They're just like, oh, I'm not going to college. I'm a millionaire. And I'm like, yeah, Good well, for you. <laughs> that was the thing that initially fascinated me about Jake Paul, because not only are we the exact same age, like me and him are like four weeks apart or something not so like like we're both like very much in the same age range like from I think he's a January baby I'm a February baby and so like we're very close age-wise and I was like this kid is my age he owns like multi-million dollar home he he's making millions of dollars and at that point I was making maybe um five thousand dollars as a um probably more I would say ten thousand dollars as a orientation leader at my college and I'm like we are on two different wavelengths you know I'm like I am like trying to shove money away (laughs) and he is like spending it like no big I'm like how much how must that warp you I think yes I think that even if we have like say you know you're a person at least me I'm not a person that necessarily is like quote unquote jealous of other people or I want to be like other people. Like I'm very comfortable in myself. Yeah. But it's a complete like mind, mind numbing mind. I don't know. Warping experience of specifically, like you mentioned that January and February, very close in age. I think it's very, it's especially more personal when you're close in age. Yes. Because you, see your own milestones compared to theirs like it'd yes. be one thing if you know you're looking at i don't know like, like I, Aguilera or Johnny yeah. or whatever they're older mm. like they like you can detach yourself but if yeah. you're saying that at this point in time we were at the very same point in our lives like we graduated high school the same year yes. we went to kindergarten the same year mm-hmm. and your life is just miles miles away from mine or even I feel like if you could take that a step further Mm -hmm. how do those people that they were in their classes with their classmates like how do those people feel yeah (laughs) like we feel like that imagine sitting across from a kid and like getting him out in dodgeball and like PE class Mm -hmm. and now all of a sudden he's on the news and he's got Ferraris and whatever and you know he was your next door neighbor like yeah I mean, and the thing is, is that it's not even like he's a famous actor or something like that, because I, I get it. There's a prolific actor who lives around here, um, who was on a very popular Netflix show. And I knew friends that he knew. Um, but that to me isn't the same thing. And like, you know, literally, like, it, it feels like even though I get, you know what, it is not easy to be a YouTuber. It's not easy to put yourself in the public spot like like that. It's very vulnerable. It's very hard it's not you know the amount of eyes on you is can be debilitating 
but it's like you you feel like you're just sitting there like being like I go to class I work two jobs I'm like like you know it's it's just crazy you're watching people struggle to afford to pay for things and there's someone who's your exact age you know crashing his bike because he can I know like it's it's, for setting fires it's wild like two weeks ago I had to spend like over four thousand dollars on my dog's like hospital stay and mm-hmm. fusion and that was like a hit like i have a savings but that was a hit to my savings yeah and but at the same time people can just like go out and you know but and, and it's not like oh like i wish that were me. like i i wish i had that money of course like who yeah. would but i'm not saying like oh they don't deserve it or anything it's just so weird yeah because yeah that's the thing is i'm moving in the fall or hopefully i'll move but I am like scrimping and saving and like sh- like shoveling money away so I could maybe buy an apartment. Maybe. Yeah. Hopefully. I keep trying to speak it into existence. Whereas like <laughs> for the amount of money <laughs> that I'm trying to buy this apartment for, like Jake Paul could probably buy five of them, you know? Like yeah, it's island really. Yeah, it's and I think that's what it is, is that it's just the crazy inequity because I feel like has a young millennial old Gen Z. <laughs> we are a 96 and 97 babies. So we're the confused generation that swears to God we're millennials. Yes. But then millennials with Gen Z tendencies, I'd like to say. Yeah, zillennials. Us zillennials. Or um, some people call it the gap. Yeah, we're we're just the awkward kids. We we we, you know, us um yeah. A stepchildren of um, the generations. Stepchildren. I wear skinny jeans and I do not middle part. So I guess you can. We're both. Put me, put me where you want me. Put, put, put me where wherever. But I think it's just what makes it harder to like think about. Because cause also David Dobrik's my age too. I didn't realize this, but David Dobrik and I are the exact same age. We're, we're all three of us. Right, right. But I'm like, I also think it's because they're just so there's just anomalies you know our generation has such little wealth in general like, <laughs> true, <you> know, true. <laughs> generational wealth you know like like people my age or our age are struggling to get jobs struggling to get to grad school and it's like on the other end of that spectrum you have people just making exorbitant amount of money just complete outliers yes complete outliers like i live with my family i went to college and moved out I guess as far as college goes but then I came straight home because it's expensive yeah I'm a microbiologist and it's still not a really justified like I can maybe afford to move out but would I have extra money in case of emergencies probably not Mm -hmm. no I like I keep looking at apartments because I have to move out at some point um, because my office is going to go back in person at some point. But it's just looking at rents for a single person in a one-bedroom apartment in the city I'm moving to, like, gives me anxiety. <laughs> because I'm like, that is half of my earnings. And I don't mean for this to become, like, a, a, a socioeconomic rant. But, like, it's just fascinating because that's just the power that people our age are wielding at this moment. Like, economic power you know, like influential power, like, you know, I don't know. Yeah, no, I think that really ties into the fact that you can look at them and say they're living their life correctly, quote unquote, they make the right decisions. Certain people can say, how can I be more like them? Like Mm -hmm. what I'm doing is wrong, not 
some people could even think that what I'm doing is wrong. Obviously, I made a mistake. They're smarter. Mm-hmm. They played the game better. You know. But the other thing is that's not a game for everyone. Exactly. Yeah. Like I'm comfortable doing this because no one sees my face. And probably, like, five people are going to listen to this being realistic. I hope more than five people listen to it. But, I mean, you know, you or I don't have millions upon millions of followers. So we're really doing, like, we're doing, this is what we're doing for ourselves. It's just fun. Nice, creative outlet. Um, So it's like, I don't know. I'm like, I don't want to be a YouTuber. I don't, because then the other thing I'm fascinated by is what does 10 years down the line look like? I mean, we can look at OG YouTubers like Ryan Higa, mm-hmm. who has been on the platform since, I don't know, like Inception, like yeah. Day One or Jenna Marbles, where they might not necessarily stay relevant, relevant. Mm-hmm. Eventually, they'll probably get burnt out. Well, that's and what happened with Jenna Marbles. Yeah. Like she, and I don't blame her. No. Because that's hard. Like, it's a hard... It's hard sharing so much of yourself. Like, being mm-hmm. an influencer, a content creator, a celebrity of any kind, you really kind of sacrifice a lot of yourself for your work. Yeah. It's it's just like, yeah, you're right. I remember some. I heard someone say somewhere in a video of some kind, I completely forget where, but someone, I think some YouTuber remarked once, they're like, I kind of feel jealous of TV shows because TV shows get to end. Right. And that like kind of broke my heart a little bit because the other thing about Jake Paul is that not only, I never felt jealous of him once, despite how that sounds. It's just more of an exasperation of like, is an exasperated, like, how did this happen? But I always felt bad for him. Does that make sense? Like bad as in he He has like, deal with just like he has to I don't know like create a persona and just stick to it Mm -hmm. he just never seemed happy to me like for as much as he claimed to be happy and as much as he claimed that he liked his life and his house and his team tent and whatever I never fully bought it you know I was like I'm like I feel like I'm watching a deeply unhappy person try and go about their life (laughs) And I, I feel like I'm slowly being proved right about that assumption, you know? Yeah, I think there's, like, a distinction between having enough money to be comfortable and happy and safe. Mm-hmm. Like, enough that you can have peace of mind, that if something goes wrong, you can afford it. Or if you want something in particular, you can buy it. And then there's, like, having excess. Yes. Like, what, sure. if you can afford three Ferraris or whatever, or, like, you know, a slide in your house, like, it takes more and more, like, you need a bigger and bigger fix to, like, satisfy your, like, pleasure centers in your brain, I guess. It's kind of, like, almost like a drug in a way. You yeah. kind of need to get that hit and that dopamine more and more and more, you know? And um, I forget who was, who was saying that they would. Logan Paul, actually, yeah. He was saying, he's gone on, I've never listened to his podcast, but I was watching a different video about him by D'Angelo Wallace um, doing a deep dive. And he plays this clip of Logan saying how he hates that he's tied to views and mm-hmm. likes and material things like that. Because I'm like, you know what? Yeah. Like, how awful must you feel if your video got a million views and then your next one only gets like 500,000? 
like, you know, like it's just this constant contest of like one upping yourself and one upping yourself. But the thing, but the thing is, is that like, you're working on a platform that's not your own. You're working with an algorithm you didn't design. You're working with a constantly changing world where, you know, what's cool one day is completely different the next, more so than when we were kids, you know? Right. Like, it's very quick. It's very quick moving. And, like, trends happen mm-hmm. overnight. What's funny yesterday isn't funny tomorrow, you know? Yeah. And that's got to be hard. Like, if you find your niche, like, if you find I'm good at this, but then the world tells you we don't want that, mm-hmm. that's going to be pretty, like, heart- heartbreaking, like, disappointing, just frustrating. Yeah, because I always think about when YouTube got the when flipped the switch from five-minute videos being recommended to videos over 10 minutes. Like, watch time started factoring into the algorithm. So it's like, no more short little three-minute sketches. That's not being recommended anymore. We're pushing the 25-minute, like, think piece someone wrote. So now all these creators are trying to get their videos to 10 minutes or more when you maybe don't have 10 minutes of content or maybe you don't want to make 10 minutes of content. And, And yeah. I mean, that frustrates me because I would much rather see content creators do what they want, do what Mm -hmm. they love, do what they're good at, as opposed to Google and YouTube saying, hey, we like this. Our robots say this is effective. Follow this. Yeah. Where's like the human aspect of it? Like how much are we going to let like an algorithm, like an artificial intelligent algorithm dictate what we do and then therefore like like it's like a trickle down mm-hmm. effect right yeah. like big like big corporations apple google tell content creators do this and then they do that and the content creators sell us hey buy this because they told us to do that like mm-hmm. i don't know like it it, it it just feels like 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 puppet strings right yeah like they're they're working for somebody and then we're the end goal Mm -hmm. i do have to say anytime i read too much about like youtuber drama or things like that it makes me want to just like disconnect from society and like move to the woods somewhere and like a little cottage and just like bake bread and like have tea parties and like read books all day and just not bother yeah no i know and then it's it's kind of interesting how i don't know like for some people, it depends on how much you consume and mm-hmm. watch, but you can kind of form a relationship, like going back on our, you know, first episode, like forming an attachment to them, mm-hmm. right? And if something goes wrong because of a third party, like there's like a scandal because mm-hmm. of something that was out of their control, then all of a sudden, like, it affects you as like personally, you know? Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, for sure. Like, you know, um, a YouTuber I recently liked over the weekend kind of got canceled. And that was very hard for me to deal with because it was someone who I bought merch from and it was someone who I um, would watch every single one of their videos and it was actually a patron of them. And it it was um, Lindsay Ellis. Oh, I'm... No, she's a video essayist from... um, channel awesome and just it was just rough reading everyone's comments and everyone's things like you know takes on the situation she was trending on twitter for a little while and that did like make me feel a little like down 
like I, I don't think I, I didn't cry or anything like that but I mean and even just not even in the YouTube sphere um I remember when Cory Monteith died oh, from yeah. Glee I took that rough I woke up I cried my dad had to take me on a drive out somewhere <laughs> get me out of the house yeah I don't know it's weird it like it, it affects you it like really does yeah I mean last week I, I was telling you mm-hmm. uh, Dream, if you know him, you know that he kind of gets into controversies regularly, but handles them pretty well. But there was a really bad one, like a really, it it felt different for a lot of people in the community, like on Twitter and Tumblr, and people were really actually physically affected. Like mm-hmm. a lot of posts were saying people were crying. I was crying uh, over this person. I don't even know what they look like. I don't know who they are. I've never met them a day in my life, but I felt like they were being attacked. And mm-hmm. by association, I felt like kind of I was being attacked or something that I cared about was being attacked. And there's sort of a helplessness mm-hmm. because you can't necessarily say, oh, I mean, you can tweet at them, you can leave comments, but you can't like give them a hug. You can't yeah. reassure them that you care about them and that, you know, despite what other people would say about them, that you'll still be there. You'll still support them. Like you mm-hmm. can't, I guess there's no like, not closure but like there's no cathartic like everything will be okay Mm -hmm. and And that that just also goes into how much power they really have because if you have the ability to just simply put out videos or whatever and something bad happens to you and you have millions like he has 20 million subscribers so you just have millions of people that complete strangers crying because somebody was mean to you yeah (laughs) like that's insane like I absolutely, as a company, would say, hey, I want that person to sell my stuff because look at them. Look yeah. at them. They're upset, and they've upset a whole, like, millions of people along with them. Mm-hmm. That's also like when Jenna Marbles left the platform. Yeah. It was because she, she kind of left over controversy as well. And it was like a group outcry had happened over multiple channels on social media of just Jenna leaving. And... She, I, she was someone who brought me joy. I really liked her a lot. Jenna, in the end, of, like, when she turned, I feel like, 30, and, like, her channel changed from, like, more, like, satire, like, joking stuff to, like, really funny, like, couple stuff with her and Julianne and the dogs. Mm-hmm. And it was really domestic and just funny and just feels good. And every Wednesday and Thursday, that was something you could look forward to. Yeah. All of a sudden, she was gone. Like, mm-hmm. it felt like losing a friend. Like, it really did feel like rough and she was just like a shining person like she wasn't yeah. a bad like person who would like she would take criticism to heart mm-hmm. so like like she bought fish one time and then people criticized her about what she kept her fish in and she immediately went to the store and bought all new stuff for her fish or for her hamster like she was really like she would take criticism well yes and she would apologize if she made a mistake so mm-hmm. the fact that she's gone because people decided that stuff in her past was like inappropriate or maybe she was just done in general like she mm. regularly talk about how she didn't feel comfortable taking vacations or taking breaks yeah obligated to post so I get how that could be a mm. reason to finally quit but like her loss definitely was felt by a lot of people yeah and I think that like you know she just she was actually the one youtuber where I was not like I, I think she deserved everything she got like the big house the money 
like all the dogs, like I'm like, she is really the person who I feel like is the most deserving of that, of everything, because you're right. She was very much a role model to look up to, in my opinion. Like, I, I don't know. I just watched her. I'm like, oh, you can be fun even when you are in your thirties and you you can be fun, which is silly, but I feel like we all grow up so fast now that like at 24, you feel like you're ancient and just ready to be put to death. Like, you know, like, I'm like, I feel like you're going to like be like, you're too old. <laughs> I know. I don't know what, what I was going through the other day, but I felt like I should just be put to pasture. I was like, oh, yeah good run yeah I'm- oh, you know what I feel like I read a post or something that was like human life expectancy used to be so low that our brains haven't caught up with the fact that we're living like you know like you could probably mm-hmm. die at 30 and you lived a long life so the fact that we're living into our 70s and our 80s our brain is like please kill me <laughs> <laughs> but like you know I don't know I just really liked watching her like make a corn wait she wanted to Make a corn, but the hot dog in the middle. Um, I really don't want to a corn dog, but the no corn on the cob. Uh, but the the hot dog is the corn bone, right? That's what it was. <laughs> wait, wait, it was. It was like corn on. It's corn on the cob, but <laughs> the hot dog. You gotta look it up. Yeah, but, like, wait. but also when she got her greyhound bunny, like that was such a fun journey to follow. Oh my god, somebody made a compilation of One Direction like night changes and mm-hmm. it was like a compilation of the videos of her getting peach from the airport, marbles from the airport, Kermit from the airport, mm-hmm. like the first video with Bunny and yeah. just like marbles as a puppy and just them all together, like her and Julian having mm-hmm. a pool party. And it was just the cutest, sweetest thing because you really saw a family grow. Yeah, you saw Jenna go from like being single with just marbles to being with Julian and like extending their family. And they were a family, and they're not married. And I feel like that's also a really positive influence. Mm-hmm. Like you can be a family without children, and you can be a family without being married. Like they yeah. were absolutely, positively a family. I feel like that's also why I really love um simply neological as well. Oh yeah, because Christine and Ben, fantastic. They're like, we're just, um, there are just civil partners. Yeah. And I'm like, you know what? That's really like aspirational. They're like, we didn't want to get married in Canada. Like getting married means like it's only really a religious right. And we're not religious. So we don't want to get married. And I'm like, you know what? That's really like cool. Yeah. And they don't want kids. And I really appreciate that because I feel like there's a distinct lack of child-free couple representation. Mm-hmm. And they also, Christine also highly promotes education. Like, she has her master's degree. And she keeps her job. Her and Ben, Mm -hmm. you know, they do YouTube. And I think you said that they mentioned how they've cut back hours at work. But they, like, you know, stay at work. YouTube is something they do, but it's not, like, completely consuming who they are. Yeah. I don't know. I just think that's very aspirational to me. Because the other thing is, I feel like, again, with Jake Paul and... Um, you know, with all these YouTubers, it's like their MO is like, drop out of college. Just drop out of college. You don't need college, especially like Jake Paul is disturbingly anti-education. You know what I kind of wonder mm-hmm. about that? Because, okay, uh, side note, corn on the cob, but instead of the corn bone, it's a hot dog. Okay, cool. I was <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, but what's interesting 
I mean, I feel like we could get into um, a debate about the public education school system or, like, just in general, the American school system. Yeah. Because I have two people, Dream and Corpse, who I follow. Like, those are my guys. Like, they're the people that I follow regularly, like, Mm -hmm. keep up with. And both of them, oddly oddly similar in the fact that they don't show their faces, that they're both Leos, (laughs) but they also both had to be dragged into school by the police. Dragged into school? Dragged into school by like truancy officers. Oh wow, interesting. Police had to come and get the and get them, you know, because they weren't attending school. And I just wonder if that's like a catalyst for looking for alternative sources of of like success, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're bad at school, you don't want to go to college. You're gonna try and find doing something else. So once you make it big, like maybe you have more dedication, maybe you have more drive to like do do something different and then mm-hmm. by association then you have like a whole population of people who decided to do something different simply because they hated school yeah. so then you have like the majority of influence not the majority because i can't speak for all of them but then you mm-hmm. have like, a substantial amount of influencers who are like ah, school ah. <laughs> yeah i mean the thing is is i do have to acknowledge i should acknowledge that school isn't for everyone I actually really liked college. If I could have stayed, like if I could get my master's right now, I want to, like I probably would. Like if I had the money, the time, et cetera. Um, Or if college was free, because I am pro free college. I also should say that upfront, but I get it's not for everyone. It's not easy. And I went into college also without having a major in mind. I don't know if you remember me senior year of high school, but I like, I had no clue what I wanted to do, what sector I wanted to go into. I just knew I liked, I like studying. I like questioning things. I like being curious, but that's not for everyone. Yeah. Um, nor should I think it be, it should be. But the thing is, is that what gets me about Jake Paul is that he actively like makes diss tracks towards teachers. Right. Yeah. Like he actively like disparages teachers. He went to like who taught him in high school. And the thing is, is I get it. Some people have really bad experiences with certain teachers and you know, it's not a profession that is for everyone or for the faint of heart. My dad's a public school teacher. It's not easy. It's not, you know, no, it's I, something that I, needs a lot of time and training. Yeah. I feel like teachers definitely can make or break a student. Yeah, for sure. And also as someone who does work in education, I think they're, we're working on ways to get kids more engaged or there should be more alternative routes for children. But at the same time, I don't know. I just feel like being a YouTuber again or a streamer isn't for everyone. And it's kind of in that sense of also it requires a lot of luck. And I feel like people don't acknowledge that always because you can be extremely talented, but your video might just not get picked up by the algorithm. Yeah. I mean, you know? there's also like timing. Like timing is everything. Yeah. Like with... With, like, COVID and lockdown, Mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of people were at home, so different creators who maybe started off their career during then had, like, a better, like, jump than Mm -hmm. some, maybe, like, when everybody was busy or nobody had time to, like, watch stuff. Like, if everybody's home and everybody's just tied to their computers and smartphones and stuff, like, that's a good time to promote yourself. Yeah, for sure. Because you're like, oh, you have nothing to do all day? Well, watch my live stream. Check out my YouTube video. But the other thing I find very interesting is that I feel like people say, like, Jenna Marbles and Simply Neological are kind of two of, like, the most 
wholesome or like unproblematic YouTubers. Mm-hmm. I'm also going to toss in Sophia Nygaard with that because I feel like that's, she's one of those two, but they're all very highly educated. Like we said, Christine and Ben both have master's degrees. Jenna Marbles has a master's degree. Sophia Nygaard at least finished college and has a degree. Um, yeah. Cody Ko, who I really like, has a degree. Same thing with Danny Gonzalez. So I find it very interesting that a lot of these more like unproblematic people are actually the more educated ones. Whereas like Jake Paul, and I'm not saying causation is not correlation, you know? No, like, but I think there's also like the socialization aspect of college. Mm-hmm. Like there's the education aspect, sure. But also like, I guess being around different people than maybe you grew up with, like around, yeah. like, or like, I guess, I guess there's other like components to going to college that mm-hmm. aren't just going to class yeah and I you both you and I went at well I was minimum four hours away you were third not 13 12 11 10 hours yeah like about a couple yeah I don't know I feel like being on my own in that space and like forcing myself to grow like made me a better person you know I don't know. Like, I feel like I was on my own. I had to learn how to adapt. I had to learn how to, like, things aren't going to go your way. So you have to, like, learn how to, you know, deal. Like, you just learn how to deal with it. Um, And I think the other thing that they say is that 18 to 22 is your most pivotal moment, like, years in life. Like, that's when you go through the most change. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, I enjoyed college, but I literally stayed in my room the entire time. (laughs) Like, three years, I was literally to the point where it was really funny. I would walk around campus and people were like, oh, you still go here? Yeah. <laughs> he was like, I thought you transferred. And I'm like, uh, no, like I stay in the, like I'm either in the lab mm-hmm. or I'm in my room or I run to the cafeteria, stuff some food in my backpack and then run back. Yeah, no, I wasn't really a partier in college, but I like joined a lot of organizations. I was very involved. Right. Just, I felt like I was very involved. I don't know how true that is, but um, I mean, I also studied abroad for three months. Yeah. That, and that was a trip. That was because you studied abroad too for like three months, right? Yeah, I hated it. <laughs> I, know, I loved it. I had fun. I had, I had such a good time. Yeah, no. I feel like I don't know. It depends it depends on who you're going with in the program and yeah, like, for sure. Just like you as a person. I don't know. That was my first internship was I was abroad and that was wild my first workplace experience was an English one, not an American one, but, um, but yeah, I don't know. I just think that kind of stuff all is very interesting. Yeah, but. definitely. <laughs> um, oh, I had a pretty interesting article. Be- okay. So I wanted to know, mm-hmm. I had this question of like, when did like, the term influencer like become popular yeah and i i i want to know like what happened right i i I haven't come to the bottom of it but Mm -hmm. i use like the google analytics like search term whatever it's in the google doc so if you want to look at those yeah the graphs so the interest of like influencer really peaked in like 2016 2017 oh fascinating there was a sharp incline so then i was like oh Instagram like is that what happened and then I looked up like the search term for like the you know peak search for Instagram 
but that wasn't it. Instagram started peaking in like 2010. Mm-hmm. If anything, it had like a slight like decline in 2016. So then I was like, okay, well, what about YouTube? No, not that either. Like again, YouTube like started to decline in 2016. So it it's really weird because I would thought that there would be at least something that's like, okay, the word influencer is associated with YouTube. It's associated with Instagram, but it doesn't necessarily look like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it looked like uh, 20, 2019. Like, it's like a steady incline. Yeah. 16 up. And then you get to about 2020 and there's just a sharp decline. Oh, interesting. I don't know. And oh, then... so weird. And then the words that it says related topics. So, like, things that are associated with when you Google influencer. Number one is influencer marketing. Mm-hmm. Two, Instagram. Three is physical fitness. Four is beauty. And five is celebrity. Wow. Um, and then there's also OnlyFans and model. Are celebrities influencers? Is it kind of a, a square rectangle thing? It's interesting that you mentioned that. So... I found this one article. Um, hold on. It is entitled. It's loading my internet. <laughs> Okay. Um, The impact of social media influencers on purchase intention and the mediation effect of customer attitude. This was published in 2017. Mm And this article separates, um, separates celebrity from influencers. Yeah. They make like a distinct um hold on okay so one of their um opening statements is messages proclaimed by social media influencers are often perceived as more reliable and compelling to consumers and have been substantiated by 82 percent of followers polls in which consumers are reported to be more likely to follow their favorite influencers recommendations compared to celebrity endorsement promotes so fascinating so they are saying that not only are influencers and celebrities two different types of people, mm. but they're saying that influencers are more trustworthy than celebrities. I feel like I've heard that before, but that's, I think, the relatability aspect. Because, like, like I, well, while they're making yourself a brand, you're also a person. You know, it's that whole parasocial relationship. They're my friend. My friend wouldn't give me a bad product intentionally. Right. So what necessarily makes it, like, easier to form a parasocial relationship with an influencer as compared to a celebrity well let's look at the gabby hanna um makeup brushes thing right if you watch a lot of gabby hanna you feel like you know her you feel like you like you see her bedroom every day you see where she like goes to eat or whatever if she's vlogging you know she's a story time youtuber so she probably tells a lot of stories about her life so you feel like you kind of know more intimate details about her. She's talking into a camera. It feels like one-on-one. But like if Lady Gaga was promoting those brushes, 
I might not fully believe her because I know Lady Gaga is a big celebrity. I don't know that much about Lady Gaga. Lady Gaga doesn't show me what she eats. Lady Gaga doesn't tell me stories, you know? Okay. Devil's advocate here. Okay. Number one, I feel like we have a YouTube bias, so I apologize for that. We're not like, yes. we're going to need, like, I don't know, a third-party Twitter expert, because that's <laughs> me. Um, but this article does name Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Like, that's the platform. The for. Yes. That's the platforms that they're going to say are um, influencer-specific. Okay. Me, personally, I follow people who, number one, don't show their faces. Number two, I don't know their real name. Mm-hmm. where they live like maybe they'll share like a few stories i interacted like you know follow somebody who won't even tell us the name of their cat or dog like yeah. just refer to them as cat and dog nobody knows if they have like a sibling they maybe like accidentally mentioned that they had a sister one time mm-hmm. and like they don't talk about their parents like maybe they'll talk about like a few personal stories but it's very few and far between yeah and it's more like what what's and what's what's the person whatever's personal is between them and like the community that they're involved with so like the other people that they stream with or make videos with so Mm -hmm. i feel like that's an interesting take on like daily vloggers absolutely like you can see you know who they are and whatever and like their life and then you know commentary channels maybe like they put in their own two cents or like their own experiences with that Mm -hmm. but then like you have equally powerful and influential people who maybe aren't as open yeah but are they more like quote-unquote accessible because you can leave youtube comments and maybe they'll reply to you or you could at them on twitter and they might reply to you or you can send in a donation Mm -hmm. and they might acknowledge you but you can't necessarily send some like a p.o box to like selena gomez and selena gomez will send you a letter back yeah i wonder if that's like reverse psychology like I'm just thinking about this now and this is just me thinking out loud, but like the mystery draws you in more because you don't know them and you want to, you want to be that person who gets to know them. Possibly. I would, I would, I would say, yeah, like they have mentioned, you know, some of them, you know, a fair bit of content creators that don't show their faces and one, because they want to keep their anonymity. So they kind of, like, make that sacrifice of maybe not sharing themselves as much for, like, the safety of being in their own home and being able to go out and, like, live a normal life. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, like you said, like, you're curious. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not all out there. Like, not everything is on the table. Like, you can't overindulge in that person because you're like waited on bated breath for them to just tell you like how long is your hair like please does it touch your ears does it touch your shoulders like we're desperate to know but see then I feel like if they did recommend a product or if they did do a product ad read I'd believe them more because I'm like if you don't share anything but you'd share this right so that's, that's that's funny so this article assessed um what influenced i did air quotes so you know what influenced people consumer attitude and actual purchase intention so Mm -hmm. that source credibility so that's like how credible they believe the person to be yeah source attractiveness so how attractive they thought the influencer was 
product matchup. So like how appropriate it was for them to be like advertising that product. So like a beauty guru advertising makeup brushes as opposed mm-hmm. to like cookware. Yeah. Like, like things that make sense. Um, uh, and, and a few other things that are like, so what is it that, what element makes a consumer say, okay, I agree. I'll buy that product. Mm-hmm. So they found like, you know, according to like the people that they gave the survey was source credibility wasn't significant in the relationship oh. between like purchase attitude and intention. Wow. Attractiveness also failed to influence the people's like intention, mm. but product matchup was found to be significant in purchase intention and consumer attitude. So okay. I thought that was pretty darn interesting. So if a Twitch streamer says, I bought this brand new microphone and I love this microphone so much. It works really well when I'm streaming. And this is what I'm get telling you now. Like I'm speaking to you through this microphone. This is how good it is. You might go about and buy that microphone. Yes, they're saying that's more effective than if somebody was just super attractive and told you to buy the microphone. See, I think that's interesting because I do watch a lot of YouTubers that are sponsored by like, you know, the the normal suspects, Honey, Audible, you know, Raycon, Earbuds, like, you know, and the thing is, is that I kind of always think about it, but I never do because I'm like, okay, well, like, I kind of read, but, you know, you are not, this is not a booktuber channel. You know, this person is like, all I do is book reviews. Here's Audible. I might be like, oh, you know, I like Audible. I might check that out. Yeah. And then I feel like maybe um, I've seen on Twitch, because I'm on Twitch a lot now. Mm. It consumes my life. It's unhealthy, but whatever. (laughs) What I do. Um, They have a Logitech commercial. Mm -hmm. and like they have a lot of gaming commercials like gaming setups like alienware like your computer is an extension of you type like marketing right yeah i feel like we were warned against that in middle school Mm -hmm. (laughs) um and i feel like that's effective right because Mm -hmm. where where are you you're on like a platform for gamers like you're looking for new products i don't think necessarily running a mcdonald's ad yeah that's great you know mm-hmm. and i i think that the, i mean i feel like that's more like you're you're gearing towards the community aspect of oh, for sure. selling something yeah because yeah that's the other thing is that i feel like because it's so related to what your niche is you're probably more like like they're probably more likely to use it in general yeah you know like oh like i don't know who's a big streamer um i don't watch so much if anyone could tell. Um, like Valkyrie, is she one? Yes, Valkyrie's big, Pokemon's big, okay. it's big. Valkyrie is a gamer herself. If she's using these fancy um like talk a lot earbuds or headphones to game, she probably uses them herself. Like, why wouldn't she recommend it to me if she didn't like it? Yeah, you know. Like what? Like why wouldn't she tell me to get the fancy one with the microphone attached? I love mine. I'm like, yeah, you probably do because you're a gamer and you probably tested this out because that's what you do all day. So you probably got the product and just put it on. So that's probably a good endorsement because you use it yourself, you know. But yeah, I would yeah. absolutely because even 
right now for the podcast, I'm just using my computer speaker. I'm, I don't have like a micro, like a computer microphone. I don't have anything, you know, set up. Yeah. My first thought was, oh, what did they use? Yeah. What is my preferred streamer use? Maybe they've mentioned it. Maybe I'll look it up and maybe I'll get it. Like that was my first instinct was to go to them. Yeah, because it's like they feel like they're the trusted source. If they're the gold standard of streamer or YouTuber or whatever, whatever product they're using must be the best because they wouldn't use anything less than that. Right. Or whatever product they're recommending must be the best because they wouldn't recommend anything less than that to you. Yeah. And I think that's also the other thing is that you feel like they care about you as fans. And they do, I'm sure. But I feel like that almost makes the ads feel more personal because they're like, I wouldn't want you to get a crappy microphone. So I wouldn't recommend the crappy microphone to you. Yeah, no. I mean, I feel like some um, some content creators or influencers are very close to their fans. Like mm-hmm. Dream will say, I love you. And he'll say like, you know, not necessarily I love you the same way I love my mom, but I love you the same way as I love like animals. Like I've never met all animals in the world, but I love animals. Like there's yeah. different types of love. Or you could have Ludwig who makes a video and it's like, I'm not your friend. Mm-hmm. Like, don't think that I'm your friend. Or like Wilbur Soot, who's like, please don't think about me when I turn my camera off. I, I watched the Ludwig, um, the Ludwig. <laughs> I want to say the German way, Ludwig. I watched the Ludwig. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Did you see how, he, like, how he's been going for days? That to me is insane, by the way. Just to go on a little tangent about that. I just, like, the, that's very concerning to me. Um, also the power that fans are increasingly having. Yeah. Okay. So people, um, if you don't know, Ludwig is a Twitch streamer and he had a subathon where he raised money for charity, but for every subscriber that he got, he had to add 10 seconds onto his live stream. So I think at this point, I think he made the cap at the end of the month, but mm-hmm. I think he's been streaming for about two weeks or more. Yeah. Not- stop like he kept his camera on like he was going to the shot like he was showering sleeping playing games talking to his friends going on podcasts like doing interviews everything with his camera on because you know for every sub he got 10 seconds was added onto his time um so i dropped also a new york times article into the google doc real quick I read this a while ago. It's by Taylor Lorenz, who I just followed on on Twitter, and I love her so much. She's a writer for the New York Times. Um, She specifically covers, like, influencer, internet culture, um, technology, things like that. And Mm -hmm. so this is about um, how um, new startups are coming for creators to monetize every aspect of their life. Um, Basically, like, it's called... um, Oh my gosh, it's it's called new new. So it's a human stock market. And basically a creator can post a poll asking, like, what should I wear today? Who should I go hang out with? I what game that. should we play? And that. people can vote on it or pay, pay money to get more votes or more influence. I have a visceral <laughs> I have a very visceral reaction to that. I don't like it. That sounds like Black Mirror. I don't want it. I know. That's what people are saying is that like, you know, and this from this is quoted from the article. Have you ever wanted to control my life? Love Cameron 15, a TikToker with 3.3 million followers asked in a recent video posted to new new. Now is your time. You can actually control things I do throughout the day and vote on it. And I will show you if I end up doing the stuff you voted on. So like, you know, he asked if he wanted to play if he and his friend should play dodgeball or catch and in the background, you can hear his friends yelling catch. 
so they would rather play catch. But 78% of fans voted for dodgeball. And the TikToker said he didn't really want to play dodgeball because he didn't want to damage a fence in his yard. But he's like, when they vote for when they vote, I do the thing they vote for. He said, it's not like, oh, I secretly do the other thing. It's surprising how many people vote and what they vote for. It's like insane. He's also allowed fans to dictate what he watches, the video games he plays, and the name of his pet hamster. It's and they can't they can be banned if they post anything like offensive or obscene. Like, you know, it can't be like anything really you know it can't be like i'm voting on you to murder someone you know it it, but it's just insane it's beta it's still beta testing so it's not this is not a widely accessible platform yet but (laughs) just the thought of (laughs) okay so here's the thing so on twitch some people do sub goals right Mm -hmm. they're like okay if i get thirty thousand subs i'll paint my nails or i'll do I'll play this video game. I'll play a scary video game or whatever. That's so much. I don't have a very visceral reaction to that, right? Because I feel like it's usually something that the creator can control and like make either really unobtainable or obtainable, depending on how comfortable they are and how dedicated mm-hmm. the fans are. Um, like last night, Carl was like, okay, if you guys can get 4,000 subs, I'll like paint. Um, I'll paint my nails or you know Dream was like oh if you get 5,000 subs I'll eat like a hot chicken wing even Mm -hmm. though I eat spicy foods or whatever and the people got them to that goal and you know maybe you get sick because you ate the chicken wings and like you're really like um, you know sensitive to that and you get sick because you tried to please other people and I think that that's like a really dangerous yeah it's it's a dark rabbit hole to fall down because you know how where at what point do you say no all right my dog is in here and she's excited um so at what point do you say like enough is enough i i think that like fun things that Mm -hmm. are like set for like a one-time thing like yeah that's okay if you feel comfortable with it but if you wake up every day and your mm-hmm. first question is, hey, guys, should I brush my teeth with Colgate or Sensodyne? Or should I have orange juice or apple juice? Or should I go to the mall or should I go? Like, you're like you're literally a puppet. Yeah. You're literally becoming a Barbie. Like, you're a plaything mm-hmm. to other people. And they're just paying you to, to I don't know. Like it, like, it feels gross. Yeah. And it's interesting because the power dynamic is now reversed. The right. influencer does not have the power anymore. It's the fans. But it's like, I feel like either extreme isn't great. No. You know, like you shouldn't blindly follow a creator, but also the creator shouldn't blindly do whatever anyone at. Like, I don't know. I just, I'm very anti that. <laughs> anti, you know, because at the at what point are you a person anymore? You're no longer a person. You're just, yeah, you're right. You're a puppet. You're a machine. You're just someone that like is being told, eat when you can do this or eat when eat that or like you know and that's another very interesting thing because all for all we're saying that you feel close to an influencer because of how much they share Mm -hmm. I think that there's also boundaries where people feel like they're actually their friend and they can ask things of them that are uncomfortable or inappropriate and there's also the fact that people sometimes don't see them as a person anymore Mm -hmm. like how do you reconcile or just like the comparison between 
I care a lot about this person. I trust them, but also I don't see them as an actual human. I see them as a figure like that's in a screen that maybe doesn't have real emotion, not necessarily real Mm -hmm. emotions, but like you would cross boundaries that you wouldn't cross if they were right in front of you. Yeah. And I think it might be that, you know, the computer screen, you're not fully like, you don't fully realize that you forget that sometimes it's like, have you ever, um, when I was in college, I worked a desk job that required me to handle customer service over the phone. Yeah. And sometimes parents would scream at me over the phone because they did not realize I was a living, breathing human being on the other end. They couldn't see me. They could only hear my voice and just a disembodied voice of a random person they don't know. And that somehow amplified their emotions. And I feel like it's a similar thing with the computer. Even though you can see them, you can't see them, you know? Right. Like we are having this conversation that's really cool and productive and awesome, but, and it feels like you're in the room here with me, but you're not, you know, which is so weird. To, like, like, I think that's the thing is that it's like, it feels like they're there, but also they're not, you know? <laughs> does yeah. that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, it does. It's like, I don't know. And then there's also a, like, they're working. Mm-hmm. Like, they're, if somebody called you up while you weren't working and screamed at you, you'd have a fairly different reaction than when you were working. Like, yeah, they're in professional mode and they're more akin to, like, I don't know, at least some people, I feel like if they were mature, they would handle things differently. Like, getting yelled at or controversy, they wouldn't necessarily lash out mm-hmm. as much as... You know, like, if you're in uncomfortable, you can also leave. Yeah. Like, in real life. Like, if somebody's making you uncomfortable, you can cut them out of your life. But you can't mm-hmm. really cut, like, thousands upon millions of people out of your life if they bother you. I mean, you can always block toxic fans. You can always... You can block millions of them. I know, you can't block millions of them. But, like, if there's one specific person that you know is, like, stalking you, harassing you, DMing you when you said not to, that kind of, there's all There are legal methods, but restraining orders are notoriously they're not flimsy but they're not they're not always they don't always always work in the way that they're supposed to yeah like that that like like, the uncomfortable like thing about doxing yeah like why would you ever like why would Mm -hmm. you like i've seen people like leak social security numbers and like leads to houses like what compels you to do that i don't know i think it's just such a violent like emotional response um actually fun fact today um I don't even know how many years ago but today in the 80s at some point which is very um precise John Hinckley Jr. um attempted to assassinate the president of the United States and on March 30th 1981 so um a little over 40 40 years ago today John Hinckley Jr. attempted to assassinate the president of the United States. Do you know why? Wait. Wait. <laughs> Wait. No, I don't know. He wanted to impress Jodie Foster. He what? loved Jodie Foster so much that he wanted to assassinate the president of the United States at the time, Ronald Reagan, to get her to notice him. That's one way to get noticed. And it's it's crazy because that was literally 1981 and they went to his apartment or his dorm and they saw it plastered with Jodie Foster. Like he was clearly like obsessed with her. He really said I'd kill for you. 
yeah, like literally. And it's so it's like, you know, that sometimes just happens. It's not even like a nor like it's not an average everyday. You know, this isn't a today thing. This is a thing that's been going on, you know. The 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 actual like I mean confidence in himself that he thought that he could potentially assassinate the president of the United States, like <laughs> that takes a lot of just like pure willpower. Let's think a lot of yourself, buddy. I know. It's like it's a crazy story. Um I think that's the most recent assassination attempt of a US president, if I'm not mistaken. But um I think Gerald Ford was before him who had an assassination attempt. But I mean, obviously, Ronald Reagan survived because he, he, um, George H.W. Bush didn't become president until he re ran for himself. But that's just my, my dad's a history teacher and yeah. knowledge coming through. Current past affairs. Fun yeah. But I also knew this today because I have a little, um, tearaway calendar and on the back it says like important dates, like important <laughs> events that happened today. And that was all my thing. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. Maybe I could talk about this in the, in the podcast tonight if it comes up. And it did. But that's what I mean. Like, some fans are just so fanatical, for lack of a better word, you know? I know. And it's really weird. It's really interesting how, like, how a certain person can glom onto a certain creator. Like, mm-hmm. like they just scratch one part of your brain just so nicely yeah <laughs> that you're willing to follow them and like listen to them and take them into your like daily life and talk about them to your friends and your family like regularly but this but 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 not everybody can experience that same attachment you know what i mean yeah yeah it's just i don't know how like i'm sure there are some aspects that make you predisposed to it cuz i know like certain people i feel like you know what i feel like certain things um media specifically whether that's books tv shows movies actors um musicians comedians youtubers influencers etc i feel like they come into your life when you need the most does that make sense like i feel like yeah i don't know i feel like i've discovered certain like bands or certain youtubers or certain um movies or television shows when i needed them the most and I think when you're in a vulnerable state like that, you almost get more passionate about it. True. And I think also it's just that idea of fandom and like you want to be in the group. You want to be a part of everything. And for the most part, they're pretty dependable. Dependable. Like yeah. if you're living in a world with uncertainty, like you don't know what happens next. Mm-hmm. You know on Thursday, they're going to make a post. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like in two days, they're going to make a tweet yeah like that's something you can look forward to in your day mm-hmm. that's like the thing is as i i didn't know if you're going to talk about david dobrik tonight because like i said we're not a gossip youtube channel and he's been under fire recently for that article that came out a few weeks ago um and there is a slight trigger warning for anyone listening because of um the sexual assault of a girl who was at his friend's apartment and david dobrik was there with some members of the vlog squad did you hear about this um tangentially like i've seen it like here and there like i've seen old clips of him saying like suspicious like problematic stuff yeah but i haven't followed like the exact what caused it all and it's interesting because the thing is is that i used to watch david dobrik pretty casually back Mm -hmm. like i'm not one of those people that's like i can say i never watched him 
But the thing about it, and, and I was kind of ruminating on this since, um, you know, he really, what he did really was despicable and not, I don't condone it at all. And the thing is, is I discovered David Dobrik when I was probably in the spring semester of my junior year of college. And I was telling my little sister this. I was like, you know, at that moment in time, I didn't have a lot going on. I had joined a few clubs coming back from studying abroad, but I just had sex six months that was like I was an orientation leader into leaving the country and then coming back and you're just dealing with all the runoff of that mm. especially being gone from campus for three months and I was watching his videos because you know what the thing is, is that at the time that group of friends just like doing stuff just seemed very aspirational to me you know yeah that was something like I don't have that going on in my life at the current moment because I had a lot of other things going on you know I was so busy with school and with clubs and everything but you know it was like I just watched that and I'm like that's something I can have one day I agree and I mean looking back I'm like I don't want that I kind of also knew at the time that I feel like they would have bullied me which I think I said to you before <laughs> but but I just <laughs> But I think at the time, that's just what I needed, you know? No, I definitely agree. I feel like, I feel like the thing about what you consume, Mm -hmm. it's based on what you're interested in, what you're like, you know, every couple of years you change what you're interested in, what you're like focusing your life on. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'll have family members who they want to travel to a certain place. They want to live somewhere. So they watch or, you know, look up things about that place. Mm-hmm. Like that's what motivates them is because they want to be there. So if they can't be there, the next best thing is to watch somebody who is there. Yeah. Or, you know, you really want like your life to be a certain way. You can't have it, but maybe it makes you happy to see other people who were able to obtain that. Mm-hmm. Yeah which I definitely agree. And like you're saying, like who what, they come into your life when you need them. It's because like you're seeking whatever you need out. Mm-hmm. So we've almost been going for two hours. Oh dear. Um, I feel like we have enough material, honestly, on influencers that we could probably do like five episodes about them. It's true. I have a whole other article about um, like an interview. Like they got people and they asked them, they show them four different influencers, right? Mm-hmm. And they give them a scale of attributes. And then they saw what attributes people kept picking across the board. Oh, interesting. Right? Mm-hmm. So um, I'll just say that real quick just because. Yeah. Um, so they found that um, that they rated them most mm-hmm. as verbal, smart, ambitious, productive, and poised. Mm-hmm. And the least that they viewed them as was self-pitying, indecisive, easily frustrated, self-defeating, and lacking meaning in life. Oh, interesting. So that's what they thought the influencers weren't. And mm-hmm. then I thought, like, another interesting take is that they compared, then they got, like, four CEOs mm-hmm. and asked them to do the same thing. And then they saw what, like, the overlap between CEOs and social media influencers were. Yeah. So they were both perceived as smart, ambitious, productive, poised, power-oriented, candid, and dependable. Mm -hmm. And they they both weren't seen as victimized, likely to give up, self-defeating, lacking meaning in life, doubting adequacy, submissive, fearful, anxious, and thin-skinned. 
Mm-hmm. And then when they compared them, they thought that CEOs were viewed as more critical, skeptical, and difficult to impress oh, okay. than social media influencers. And social media influencers were viewed as more likely to be sought out for advice and reassurance and more likely to give advice than CEOs. Yeah, that, that tracks, I feel like. Yeah, so I thought that was pretty pretty interesting that, like, I would say that the most, like, the theme is that they think that they have their life together. <laughs> yeah, because the thing is, is when you can present anything you want, that's what people see. Right. You present a very manicured image of yourself. Yeah. You, you don't, they don't show you the breakdowns or the self-doubt or them laying in bed at three in the morning wondering if they're good enough for this or if people like them really or just using them or not. What we see is them having fun with their friends. We see the road trips. We see those like, you know, moments that we wish we could have or we're experiencing now, you know? Right. Like we just see all the good core memories. Yeah. You don't I- see... I mean, some some content creators do have breakdowns mm-hmm. and like emotional issues, and like they're open about maybe their mental illness or their physical illness or their um or their struggles that they have. But mm-hmm. this was getting me the other day. Like, I struggle with some things. I struggle with you know life stuff and school stuff and being frustrated, like any other person. Mm-hmm. But then I look at creators who have shared their own struggles but they're still successful like they're still going and then that makes me feel like oh like that's not an excuse you know what I mean Mm -hmm. yeah dealing with the same stuff as me and they're still good like they're still like set in their life then I feel like that's a reflection on me being inadequate Mm -hmm. not healthy but normal I would say like thought to have no and I think that's because of their image and also sometimes I think it's hard for me to picture it yeah. You know, if someone like who frames their life in this way and then they're like, oh, yeah, by the way, I was crying at 3 a.m. last night. I was like, were you really? And that's that's on me to like, you know, not like, I don't know. It's just because I know that I was crying at 3 a.m. <laughs> but <laughs> I mean, and, and I mean, whoever listens to this might not believe my like, you know, I was crying before I went to bed or whatever, you know, like, or I had like, you know, there was that one week last year in February before the pandemic even started where I was like lying on my couch, watching bed knobs and broomsticks, just like crying because I just had seasonal depression. And, you know, like, because that's not the me I present here, you don't get to see those moments. You don't get to, there's no camcorder (laughs) for me to set up, you know, there's no, like, I don't record myself in that. Like, so I think that sometimes also makes it like, you have to sit there and conceive that you have to be like, this is how I picture them doing that, you know? Yeah, no, I, I I totally get that. I mean, that's even for like close family members and friends. Like you can say, I struggle with X, Y, and Z. And they're like, oh, but your grades in school are fine. So it must Mm -hmm. not be bad. Yeah, exactly. Because you're not there in the, like, you know, no one can be there in those moments, you know? Yeah. Like, I'm not in your room with you when you were crying over, like, internet drama, you know? Yeah. Like, you're not in my room with me when I'm just, like, emotional, you know? Yeah, no, like, you're always putting on, like, your best face. It's like, I feel like that's the whole fake it till you make it thing. Like, mm-hmm. I hate that phrase, really, because it really just transfers over to pretend you're okay. Other people will think you're okay. You're not. But as long as other people think you are, then yeah. you're good. Yeah. 
I mean, sometimes it makes me, sometimes when I need to feel better, I'll think about myself as like, I'm a stranger. Like if a stranger met me, how would I come off? Like if I'm like in a different body. (laughs) I totally get that. And I saw myself. No, I, it's, it's actually pretty bizarre because Mm -hmm. school, I did a thesis on, um, mockingbird behavior and I was in the honors program and there was like a you know a small cohort of us like probably 10 by the end of like Mm -hmm. year and there was this one girl she was a chemistry major she started off pre-med she wound up going to Northwestern and Mm -hmm. I like idolized her I thought she was like the smartest person like I thought she always had it together and she came up to me and she was like, Oh, like I heard about your project. Like, I'm so like excited to hear about it. Like, how do you just, how are you always together? Like, how do you always have it together? And I'm like, are you kidding me? (laughs) That coming from you? Yeah. And it was just crazy that probably like in each other's minds, we thought that that person was like set, like they had it together, Mm -hmm. like they were doing good. But in reality, like maybe we were both probably okay. Like in relation to everything else, like we were probably okay. But in our own minds, we weren't, like, doing, you know what I mean? Yeah. I totally get you because it. when I was um, an orientation leader, when I was a freshman going into college, I saw these orientation leaders. And they looked like they were having the most fun of their entire life. They were all high-fiving each other and friends. And they got to do all this cool stuff. And they looked so neat. And they all did stuff on campus. And they all just, like, you know, they all seemed like perfect model students. And then I became an orientation leader and I was like, I don't know how they did this because I'm having a breakdown every five minutes trying to hurt these kids across campus. I'm stressed out of my mind. And it was a super fun experience. I loved it. But I'm like, it's so funny being on the other side of like, you know, I get it now. Yeah, I get how they were doing this now, you know. But at the same time, it was weird because I'm like, I'm sure some freshmen see me that way. Like, as, like, you know, we're all friends and high-fiving, because we were. We were all (laughs) friends and high-fiving and doing things together. (laughs) But, you know, they only saw me for those two days. They didn't see me lying there at 6 a.m. on a Wednesday being like, I got to get up and go to the freaking office and stuffed gift bag, you know? I feel like that could also be seen, like, as being an adult. Yeah, exactly. Like, you're a kid. You think adults, like, they've got their life together. <laughs> like, it's fine. And then all of a sudden, you're 24, you're 25, and you're like, oh, shoot. Like, I'm confused. Yeah, yeah. Next thing you know, you're crying at a gas station because you, you scraped your car while going around one of those metal poles at the gas station trying to fill your tires with air. And you're wondering how you can ever, like, go on with your life because you can't freaking get air in your tongue yeah it just like just hits you it's like Mm -hmm. my parents lied to me this entire time yeah yeah pretended like they knew what they were doing but they didn't Didn't. no no one ever knows what they're doing no i i I guess (laughs) i guess that's our parting message guys is if you think that somebody has their life together they probably don't no um just be kind to one another you don't know what someone's going through because you you really don't know what someone's going through at all just um just be yourself and just just you're doing you're doing the best that you can do yeah for real you are doing everything right there you know in life there is no right or wrong path there is just 
we're just going through it. There's just your path, yours, yeah, your own. Yeah, that's that's what we used to tell people as orientation leaders. We're like, there is no regular path through college. Your path is unique to you, and that, I really do believe that. I think everyone I goes through life differently. They try to like, I don't know, present you that this is the right career to have. Like, mm-hmm. you should be a doctor, you should be a lawyer, you should be this, be that. But it's not for everyone. No, like it's it's really. I mean, just look at your genetics, like your whole gene. Like, <laughs> even you're a twin. You're a twin, and yeah. you're nothing like your sister. Like, yeah. just because you can grow up in the same exact house with like basically the same exact genes, and your path completely different. Yeah. So that's our message to you guys. Um, we hope you all have a wonderful Passover, Easter, St. Patrick's Day. Yes. Season good weekends depending on when you're listening to this could be i don't know could be five years from now could be three years previous because time is irrelevant yeah go out for a walk get fresh air um enjoy the spring weather absolutely go pet an animal any animal touch grass guys touch grass yeah all right well we'll see you guys in the next episode see ya